Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rubero and I will be your host. I'll be interviewing recruiters, hiring managers, and experts to help you land your next job sooner. Just a quick reminder to download your high converting resume template that's been proven to get you more job interviews at resumetemplate.canadianjobsearchacademy.com. And if this episode resonates with you, then remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is John and I am here with Rod McDermott. He is the CEO of McDermott and Bull Executive Search, a top 25 firm with offices throughout the US, Canada and Europe, which has helped thousands of senior executives land jobs through their executive network. He's also the founder and CEO of Activate 180, which, is, which offers corporate coaching services to employees at every level of the corporation, not just the executive level, and also offers Project Activate. It's a four-week dream job workshop that pairs coaches with mid-level managers and senior job seekers to identify their true calling, building a plan to achieve a role in that calling, and then work that plan hand-in-hand with their coach. Project Activate has helped thousands. Has, has, Project Activate has helped hundreds of job seekers during and following the pandemic to find and land their dream job. Well, welcome to the show, Rod. Thanks, John. Hey, we're going to be helping thousands soon. I appreciate you uh, being perspective for us. You know, forecasting great growth. You know, we're uh, <laughs> we're growing that business quite a bit. As you can tell from my background, I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades as it comes to the job market, the employer market, employment market. So. Yeah. And you know what? I think this is perfect for our audience just to get your perspective because you are one of the biggest uh, executive search firms in the U.S. and Canada and also throughout Europe and other places in the world. So it's just great to have your perspective and to share some of the insights that you've attained over the last couple of actually you said two decades you've been doing this. So um, just to get that uh, perspective, I think is going to be great for the audience just to walk away with, you know, some really, really good information. Yeah, happy to share it. So, yeah, so let's get into this. So, so what is different? What's changed in your perspective? What do you feel has changed in the job, job search market over the last 12 to 18 months? Oh, yeah, massive. Well, right now, uh, companies, and this is kind of throughout the world. I mean, our European offices are on fire. Canada's on fire. Uh, and the U.S. Is, is, you know, we're off the charts. We're, we've never been busier. And so the job market is very robust. Um, there's a little bit of a mismatch sometimes between the jobs that are being offered and the people that have the skills to do those jobs, which actually is not all that bad for us. It's pretty good mm-hmm. for us because if it's not all that easy to kind of plug that gap, they got they call us, especially if it's at the executive level. And then we'll go out and we'll have to go sometimes steal somebody. Sometimes the people aren't on the street. So we have to go get them from another company. But um, the market's incredibly robust uh, right now to the point that we've never seen it. And I know, you know, I just got off the phone with somebody about uh, 30 minutes ago talking about uh, how long this will last and is this a blip? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the conclusion we came to, this is a guy who's been in the business for a decade, is that the answer is probably yes, it's a blip, but how much of that is a blip? Because, you know, what we, what, what we saw last year is companies didn't hire right? They know they needed to do things. They wanted to grow their business. They want to do certain things. COVID hit. It's like, okay, hunker down, go into the igloo and just stay warm for the, for the winter. We got to hibernate. We need, we got to get through this. And so even where they had employees that were the wrong employees, I can't tell you how many times I talked to CEOs who's like, yeah, I got to change out my CFO. Good guy, good gal, not the right one for us going forward. Not going to do anything right now. Don't want to put them on the street. Don't need to make that change yet. So we're going to do that in the future. 
all that's happening now, right? Mm. Same thing on the employee side, right? We'd be talking to employees last year and they're like, listen, I got a good job and it's stable and I don't think I'm going to get laid off or fired. So I'm going to stick it out. Do I want to make a change? Yeah, at some point I do. Probably was thinking 2020 was the year. With COVID, no way. I'm not doing it. So all that now is happening in 2021, right? So we've got employment movement, employee movement that didn't happen last year. That would normally happen on an annual basis, you know, let's say 10%, right? People move around. This year, we're talking 20, 25% because pent-up demand from last year, right? So the people that wouldn't have moved last year, but would move this year, plus the people that wanted to move last year, all that is happening today. Plus, companies are making moves. Plus, Mm -hmm. companies are busier. So you've got three things happening. I needed to make a change in my leadership. I'm losing leadership I didn't want to lose. And I need to add people for new areas that we're trying to attack in our business. So all those things now are conspiring to make this a massively great employee market. This Mm. is the time to take advantage of it. So, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, it's been just a different animal. You had to position yourself as a solution to whatever the major problem that company was having if you wanted to get into a company. And it was all about solving problems. It wasn't about... Um, exploiting opportunities. It was about, hey, help us keep the lights on. Help us keep the cash flowing. Help us unleash, unlock parts of our balance sheet. You know, like if you're in an airline business, it's, you know, Boeing took on 25 billion in debt. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. we need, we need cash is blood. You know, you need cash <laughs> flow through the veins of a company, right? To keep you alive. And if you don't have that, and sometimes you cut off the arm to save the rest of the body, right? And so companies were doing that last year. This year's a different story. So, so from your perspective and, and from what you've seen, what are, what are some of the job seekers doing that's awesome and correct and the right thing? Because I know a lot of them are out there doing the wrong thing and they're not landing these jobs. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of touch on both sides of it, but what's the one thing that you feel they're doing really well? And what's the one area where you feel they need to do a lot of work? Uh, John, that is the $64 million question. Um, it's a great question because it's something I like to spend a lot of time on, right? What mm-hmm. are those things? How do you differentiate yourself? How do you really do job search, right? Mm-hmm. You don't do job search by calling guys like me. You don't do job search by answering ads on LinkedIn or Indeed or things like that. That's maybe one bullet in that gun, but it shouldn't be a six cylinder gun. It should be like a 12. It should be a magazine that holds <laughs> at least 12 or 18. And that's one of them, right? Because yeah. those are low hit rate things. And everybody does those. I tell job seekers, break the rules, do it differently. First of all, figure out who it is you want to work for and why. Why are you passionate about that? That's one thing you can't fake is passion. So if somebody else is applying for a job at that company and they're not passionate, but they want a job Mm -hmm. and you're applying for a job at that company, but you're passionate and you can convey why you're passionate, you can't fake that. So you're going to stand out. And by the way, the reverse is true too. I had people come to me last year saying, listen, This is my dream job. I get it. But right now, I just need a job. I just want to get a job, right? Like, listen, if you start going over here to non-dream areas, there's somebody else who that's their dream job. They're going to beat you. They're going to beat you because their passion is going to come through. Not always, but a lot of times, unless it's, you know, kind of a menial job, right? But if you're talking about anything that's management level or above, the C-level folks want to see that fire. They want to see that passion. Mm. And- they want you to connect the dots 
yourself as to why you make a great fit in their company or in their industry. What I mean by that is, you know, I'll have people come to me and say, listen, I really want this job at this company, but I, I don't see how my experience is going to get me in there. And I always, my, my answer is, well, you've already lost. So let me rephrase, let me rephrase that for you. Mm-hmm. You tell me, and, and I don't know is not an answer. I'm going to cross that one off. <laughs> you cannot say, I don't know. You tell me how your experience will fit at this company. And I'm ready to write 20 things on my dry erase board right now. So start, let's go. And you tell me what in your background, what in your experience would make you ideal for this company? Because you've already decided you want to be at that company in this industry. Tell me why you think you'd be ideal. Forget about your resume. Because if you can connect the dots yourself, you can then communicate that to them and they're more likely to connect the dots. So I think, honestly, John, the biggest thing holding people back is they have these limiting beliefs about themselves. This is a perfect example. Um, people apply for jobs on LinkedIn and then they don't hear anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, well, I guess other people are more qualified than me. They tell themselves a story right now. I have clients that are massive companies in some cases. Like I have one client, their head of talent acquisition was doing a podcast with me uh, about a year and a half ago, right before COVID. And they had 800 openings at one, one of their major sites. And, and I said, tell me how LinkedIn works for you guys. Because they're a client of ours on the executive mm-hmm. level, we do a lot of recruiting from them, from the CEO to all the VPs and everything. And, uh, and she said, listen, I'll have a hiring manager come to my team and say, I need to see five people that meet these criteria and just get me five. That's all I want. She says, we put a posting out there. We might get 250 to 1,000 wow. applicants, 250 to 1,000. I said, how do you go through all those? You know what she said? We don't. all I need to do is get five if I go through the first 50 and I get five and I send them over to the hiring manager and the hiring manager says these people look good I'm moving on to the next one I got 799 other recs to fill Mm -hmm. so maybe you were number 51 and maybe you would have been the best candidate but you never got looked at but now you're telling yourself this story that I guess I'm not as qualified. I guess I'm not as good as the other candidates, assuming they look at every single one. They don't. Yeah. First of all, LinkedIn, I put out two jobs for directors of marketing on LinkedIn for two of my divisions um, about a year and a half ago. And um, I had about one of them, about 470, the other one, a little over 500 applicants. About 85% of them had no business even applying. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't meet the spec at all, not even close, right? But what they did is they created a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Think about it, I have roughly 500 applicants in each and let's say 80%, that means four out of 500 of them, eight out of 10 of the applicants I looked at, trash, trash, trash. And my job is to go through them as quickly as I can so I can just move on and try and find the golden nuggets. Once I find my golden nuggets, I can't go through all of them. You know, if I found five good people, I sent them over to my assistant and say, hey, set, set me up with these people. And, and maybe I did that in the first 250. I didn't even look at the next 250 because mm-hmm. it's exhausting throwing out the 80%. That's what happens with LinkedIn. And so people need to understand what's really going on behind the scenes and not tell themselves a story. And they say, okay, well then how do you do it? You see a job posted by this company, what do you do? See, figure out who the hiring manager is, do some Mm -hmm. research, 
They go, but wait, they said, don't call the hiring manager. I said, I've never actually heard of a candidate getting blackballed because they called the hiring manager. As a matter of fact, I've asked a couple of clients. Now, mm. one client has said to me, if you call the hiring manager, we're going to blackball you from the company. Not one. In fact, what they all say is the hiring manager oftentimes will come to me and say, hey, I got a phone call from this person or I got an email from this person. They sounded pretty interesting. I just wanted to pass it over to you. Immediately, they will look for your applicant in that stack of 500 LinkedIn yeah. applicants because they want, to, they want to present you. The hiring manager brought you up. So I tell people, I don't know, you remember that book? I can't remember who wrote it, but years ago it said, first break all the rules. <laughs> This I don't is, know the name of the book, but yeah, I've heard of the, I've heard of the statement for sure. This, this is a rule to break, John. It will bite yeah. you a lot less than it will serve you. I'm telling you, if you break this rule 20 times, I'll bet you, you don't, you don't get bitten once. And if you get bitten, maybe you get bitten once. I'll mm. take the 19 positive outcomes for the one. And by the way, if a company is pissed at me because I called the hiring manager, cause I wanted to kind of rise above the fray, you know, and I want them yeah. to have a of who I am, maybe hear my voice on a voicemail or something like that, my passion for the job, then I don't know that I want to work at that company. If that's how narrow-minded they are, I'm not sure I want to work there anyway. So this works. And that's the key, right? Your, your answer, your question was, what are the people doing right versus mm -hmm. the people doing it wrong? The people doing it wrong, in my opinion, are doing it based on some rule book that, I mean, nobody actually published rules about how to do this, <laughs> but everybody seems to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the unspoken rule. And I'm glad you touched on that because it's actually, it's one of the areas that I talk about as well. One of the areas I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about, one of, the, one of the things that I recommend to my clients when I'm working with them is, you know, reach out directly to the CEO of the company. Yeah. And people like the, the lashback that we've gotten from posting that on, on social is like, you can't do that. How dare you do that? And why would you do that? And why would a CEO ever respond? And my thinking around it is, you know, if somebody doesn't want to, it's, it's like calling somebody, right? If you, if you call somebody and they don't want to talk to you, they just won't answer the phone. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's that simple, right? And uh, when you do meet and, and connect with these executives, um, you know, it does change. And like you said, and I'm really glad you brought up this point, because one of the things I've also heard from my clients is, you know, when they do reach out, they actually get praised by the hiring manager for having reached out to them. And to say, you know what, you know, I, I, I had a really good conversation with this person. It wasn't really around asking about the job. It was more informational style and just getting more information around the company, the, the role, the position, uh, but not going directly for the ask at first. And then, you know, kind of, you know, sweeping in afterwards and saying, hey, I've submitted. I'd love to have a, another conversation with you to explore this a little bit further. And it's always been positive. So I'm really glad you talked about that, Rod, because, you know, one of the things, and I hope the audience members listening to this, you know, the, one of the things that you need to do is get out of those, those predetermined that um, fake B, I'm going to call it BS, the, the belief systems that you have around, you know, job search, you got to let go of what you think it should be. And you got to do what's right for you. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't, you're not going to stand out. You said a thousand applicants for your positions. So, and, and actually this is interesting. So when you are doing that quick scan, I know you don't, you know, on average they're saying somebody will look at your resume and spend around seven seconds to determine whether or not it is a good fit. From your perspective, is that what you go through as well? How long are you actually going through and doing these scans on these resumes? And what are you looking for specifically that makes you stand out to say, hey, this is the NA pile and this is the A pile? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll do a quick scan. I'm probably 10 seconds and I can mm -hmm. go through. I'm looking for roles that are similar to what I need to do. 
companies that I think would give them an experience. So when I was doing this director of marketing for one of my divisions, I'll use one example. It's more consumer oriented, right? It's project mm -hmm. activated. It's reaching out to consumers, blah, blah, blah. Our business side is all B2B. It's totally different. I wanted somebody who knew, you know, consumer marketing, email, Facebook, Instagram, social media marketing, things like that. So I was looking for those things, right? And if I saw them, they went into the A pile, doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to interview them, but it just means I'm, they passed the 10 second scan. Right. What I would see is a lot of things that were nothing like that. I'd see people that were, you know, selling self-storage units, you know, uh, right out of college and, you know, or bicycles or something crazy that just had no, you know, it didn't make any sense. A restaurant manager. I'm like, okay, how does this make any sense? Right. And so people just waste their time. Why would you even waste your time pressing send? It doesn't make sense. And they waste my time, which means the value that's brought to me by that medium, LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever I'm posting on is reduced because it creates a lot of work. And uh, so, so, you know, for me, it's I'm looking at that. Then my second level scan is a lot deeper. Now I'm going to look for uh, promotability. I want to see somebody who worked at a company for a number of years and had more than one title. Right. I want to see people who have done this a few different companies so that I know that they can transition and that, the, you know, there's a better chance of a good cultural fit. So, you know, when I'm looking for years of experience, things like that, I want to see, again, the devil that knew them, thought they were good enough to take them from here to here and maybe even here. And when mm -hmm. I see that promotion, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let's bring that person in. Yeah. So, and so I want to explore and touch on this because you talked about, um, you know, first scan level scan and 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 just a resume in general and and the question i want to ask and and I, it's probably on the mind of a lot of the people that are listening you know is it true that you need to fit 100% of the criteria that a hiring or a recruiter or hiring manager is looking for because it sounds like what i'm hearing from you may not be 100% but i just like to get your perspective and just for the sake of the audience you know how much of the criteria do you actually need to meet before you get selected to move on to the next level yeah. So I'm going to say some, I love that you said something controversial and you got a lot of backlash from it. Cause I'm going to say something controversial here as well. Um, I think it depends on who's looking at your paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a recruiter, an internal recruiter looking at it and the hiring manager said, Hey, I want somebody who's going to meet these criteria. Then I think you have to, right? Because they're taking their marching orders from somebody else and, and, you know, they're translating those marching orders into what they're looking for as a candidate. If you go directly to the hiring manager, what does the hiring manager care about? Do they actually care that you check all these boxes? At the end of the day, 12 months from now, they hire you. Do they care that, oh, John, you've been fantastic because, you know, you checked every single one of those boxes. <laughs> no, they care about what you deliver. They care yeah. about your results, the performance, right? What keeps them up at night is how do I achieve these opportunities that I'm trying to achieve in my division, in my, in my, 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 my part of the company. The CEO is the one. That's why I love that you said call the CEO. That's the person who's up most thinking mm -hmm. about all these things. They're not yeah. silent. They're not thinking about their, they're thinking about everything. And when you position yourself as somebody who could be a rock star in that company, those CEOs want you. And by the way, that CEO has already made it to rock star status. So a rock star knows a rock star, <laughs> a rock star, right? But if you're going directly to a recruiter, they're going to, they're going to take their marching orders because what they don't want to hear from their hiring manager is, you know, John, you're a recruiter for me on a search, right? And I tell you the criteria I'm looking for. And you bring me somebody, you say, Hey, Rod, I got this guy, 
you know, he, 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 he's great. You know, he's missing this. He's missing all these things, but, but I think he's really good unless I know you really well. Mm-hmm. And I totally trust you. Cause you and I've worked on a bunch of stuff together and I give you that, I call it the wild card candidate, mm-hmm. you know, more than likely what I might say is, Hey dude, what are you thinking? I mean, I, I told you I need these things and this person doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, yeah, I know, but they're going to take you to the promised land. You know, let's, let's think about this. Some of the best CEOs in the world have gone from business to business to business in different industries, but they know the fundamentals of getting things done. Mm-hmm. They know the most important things to do. I, I bring up this guy, Luke Gerstner, who was an American Express executive who when KKR bought RJR Nabisco and they had to turn it around, they took on like 25 billion in debt. They brought him in to run a cookie and tobacco company. And he did a heck of a job there. And when IBM was in the toilet and was in a bad way, the board brought in him. So he goes from banking and financial services to consumer products to technology. And the guy's a stud. He did a heck of a job at all these companies because he knew the fundamentals of running a business. I need cash flow. I need to, to, to unleash my cash. I need to minimize the variables for success. I need to simplify because we're running a very complex strategy and we're failing at it. So let's simplify our strategy. I mean, all these basic things that guy could do. That's the key, right? And so people at the C level, they get it. They just want it done. Yeah. They want somebody who can get it done. Hopefully that was a, a, a good enough answer <laughs> for you, Dan. On yeah, no. And, and the reason I ask is a lot of people that I've connected with, they, you know, they have this assumption that they need to meet 100% of the criteria. Otherwise, they don't even bother applying for the job. Yeah. Because the fear is they're going to get turned away, which is partially true. Um, but I do know that, and, and like you said, and sometimes there's 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 gold like in in the wild card, right? Like just, and and I've done it in the past. You know, when I had to hire people, I hired the wild card person because there was a gut intuition type of feel that went with it to say, hey. I know this person can get me to where I need to get to. Uh, so they may not, they may only fit 50 or 60% of my requirements, but I know they'll kind of make up the rest. And, and when it comes to, um, you know, you talked about passion already, which is one of those soft skills, but those, uh, the hard skills that, you know, learning the technical side of it, this is what people can learn actually on the job. It's the other stuff you can't teach them, right? How to be yeah. that problem solver that you talked about, yeah. how to be that, you know, person who's innovative, that person who knows how to leverage different technologies to do something to make your company move forward. So, yeah. And John, really- I would say this too, as a rule of thumb, if you meet 70 or 80%, apply. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is, that's a wish list, right? I see it with my clients too. When I kick off a search and we talk about must haves and nice to haves, Everything goes in the must-have category. And then a month into it, when I'm talking to them, I'm like, okay, here's the reality of the situation. Here's what we're looking at. If you want all these, I've got them. We're going to pay double what you wanted to pay. Now, if we yeah. pull some of these out and make them nice-to-haves, we can bring it down compensation-wise, and we can fit that bill. And so they'll say, yeah, that's not really a must-have. That's more of a nice-to-have. So hiring managers put together a wish list. This is everything yeah. they want. That person almost doesn't exist. So if you meet... 70%. What I'm talking about is if you meet like 30 or 40%, but you can get the job done. I mean, going back to the Gerstner example, you know, he's, he's at a financial services company, then going to run a cookie and tobacco company. Okay. Tell me how that works. Right. Then he's going to run a technology company. Okay. How does that work? Right. Yeah. But he had the fundamentals of being able to get the results and that's what the board believed. And that's why they brought him in. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's true. As long as you got the fundamentals and I like how you said that 30 to 40% and you know, you can get it done, go for that, you know, apply, but then do all the other work. Like you said, in the, in the background, don't just sit there and wait for a response, go after those hiring managers, show that you're taking initiative, connect with the CEO, the C-level people inside the organization, try to find a hiring manager and generate that conversation. Cause that 30 to 40% meeting criteria might be just enough to take you over the hump. So they'll actually yeah. sit down and have that conversation with you. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really with glad the, you talked about that. Yeah, sorry, with a hiring manager, for sure. If you're only mm-hmm. 30, 40% with a recruiter, probably yeah. not. A- Probably not enough unless you know that recruiter personally and they're going to vouch for you with a hiring manager. Recruiters, you probably need 60, 70 percent. Yeah. Okay. 60. And that's good. And this is the one question I get asked a lot. Even at 60 percent, it's not 100 percent of what people are looking for. I remember 10 years ago looking at some social media uh, postings and positions and they were asking for people with 10 years of experience. And I'm like, wait a minute, social hasn't been around for that long. <laughs> Do you want to have much experience? So, you know, it's just kind of interesting. Like you said, a hiring manager, sometimes they don't even know what they're looking for exactly. They know what they need in terms of a base or foundation in their employee, but they don't know everything. So they'll throw in some other stuff that might sound cool or hip or different, uh, but it's not necessarily uh, important. So I'm glad you really touched on that. And and this kind of brings me to the question. So for those, and I know it was one of the, you know, one of the questions that I saw come in when you were responding to one of my messages, people who are looking to make that transition, right? Transition. And I know, like you said, a, a lot of people, I think one of the things this pandemic has done is really challenged people to think about where they want to go next with their life and their, with their careers specifically. Um, so how does somebody who is in one, and you kind of gave an example, but maybe, ex, you know, just kind of elaborate on a little bit more is how does somebody who comes in from one line of work transition into another line of work and how do they make sure that they they're showcasing the best of their abilities and skills to be able to make that transition? Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's challenging. I will say that, right. It it doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just challenging. And so I want to let people know that because when you're faced with a challenge, it means you're going to have to go to extraordinary lengths, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the word extraordinary, right? It's extra, extra, (laughs) right? That's what I'm trying to say. So extraordinary is not like off the charts. It's just a little extraordinary. Ordinary is not going to work. A little extraordinary does. So, Keep that in mind. You're going to have to have more prospects. You're going to have to have a bigger funnel, right? I had somebody come to me, uh, you know, earlier part of their career, probably five, six, seven years out of college, um, a few months back and was in the recruiting space, but was doing some recruiting for life sciences companies, medical device companies. And she said, I really want to get into med device sales, but I'm not entry level coming right out of college. And so I'm competing with people that have experience. And I don't have any experience. And I said, do you have none? And she goes, no. I said, well, what have you been doing at the recruiting company for the last five years? Well, I've been doing med device recruiting. I said, well, do you know these companies that you're trying to apply for? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, the one I want to go to, I've never been effective at recruiting somebody from that company. She goes, well, because they talk about their culture and they talk about their sales development path for salespeople and they have amazing products and their customer service is so good and their customers love them. They complain about the competitors, but they love them. And so these salespeople go into the doctors and the hospitals and when they're meeting people to talk about the devices, they're usually welcomed, you know, now the other companies aren't all that good. And I said, what are the companies you'd be recruited for? And she'll tell me. And so I said, okay, so you don't have zero experience. 
you actually know where these guys line up compared to their competitors because you've heard it directly from the salespeople. When you go into these interviews, you need to actually talk about that. You might have more experience than just a salesperson working at one of these other companies. Yeah, they've sold that product, but you have a, you have a background on the entire industry. You know all the companies, hmm. not just that one. If they're hiring a four or five year out of school sales rep from one of these other companies, they probably only had that one job. They only know that one company, you know, all of them. So let's see the ways. And so we, we worked on this for about 20 minutes. She came through our project activate program. And so we brainstormed on this for about 20 minutes, all the ways that she could gain value. So she was friends with a couple of reps that were local. And I said, okay, do they work in the local hospital? She goes, yeah, they're in there a lot with some of the surgeons. Are they friends with any of those surgeons? Yeah, they've told me they are. Maybe they can get you in there to talk to the surgeons and talk about how they like this, the company's product that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into your interview, you can talk about that. You can say, I met with Dr. So-and-so at XYZ Hospital, and here's what he or she had to tell me about your product, mm-hmm. right? Do your homework. Don't just walk in and say, hey, I'm ready to go. Interview me, right? Do all your homework. And, and address the elephant in the room. If the elephant in the room is when you're done with that interview, they say, hey, I really like this gal, Taylor. I think she'd be awesome. I'm concerned she doesn't have experience. Bring it up. Listen, let me tell you the elephant in the room. You're looking at people that have experience selling these devices, and I don't. But let me tell you what I do have. And I want to talk about that. And let me tell you what I did last week. I went into this hospital and this hospital met with these surgeons. And we talked about the whole shebang of all the different cut products. And here's where your products are, are really fantastic. And here's where they're not. Here's how I want to help you guys. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, your hiring manager, when they're interviewing you is going to think of one thing, not that you don't have experience, but can you take them to the promised land? And if you can do that better than any other candidate, they'll likely take a risk. And all you need is one. Now, again, I said this is going to be extraordinary. So if I needed to interview with 10 companies to get a job and I have experience in the space, you might need to interview with 20 or 30 companies. Yeah. No, and, uh, and that's, sorry, and, and that's a great point. No. Just going in, I, I think people don't realize, and you know, just having had some conversations with candidates, not them not really understanding how much effort they actually need to put into this, especially if they're doing that career transition and they're moving from one field of work to another, Um, you know, just going in and and doing that research and connecting, like you said, you know, for the one example, the Tyler example that you gave us going in talking to the doctors ahead of time. So by the time you actually show up in the room, you're having a different level conversation. And so, so this is, so this is a great question. I want to say real real quick before you say that little step of actually Mm -hmm. seeing the product being bought or talking to a customer or going in the field is almost never done, (laughs) almost never done. And it's an easy thing. We all know doctors. And, and when I was asking about, well, how about some of the rest? How about your parents? You know, uh, do they have doctors? Well, yeah, of course. Okay. Talk to them, have them call their doctors. Maybe their doctor knows an orthopedic that's using these devices and we'll put in a word for you. I mean, all you need to do is see one or two and you've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Sorry, I, I interrupted you, but, but, but that's an easy thing that people can do to improve their candidacy and 99% of people won't do it. Yeah. And, and just actually where I was going to go with this is, from, from a research perspective, you know, when a candidate is actually looking at organizations and looking at fields of work, 
from your perspective, how much time should they be putting into the research portion of it? So if you don't prep, mm-hmm. expect that same result, right? It's like what we were, you know, in school and, and we had a test coming up, you know, do we study? Do we prep? Are we ready for it? Same thing with an interview, right? Interview mm-hmm. is to me, the opportunity to get up to the plate and maybe hit the ball. You know, batter in the professional ranks is not hitting against a, a pitcher that they haven't studied. They haven't watched film. They haven't, they got to prep for that moment, right? You've got to do the same thing. So, you know, what I say, spend a week prepping for one interview. It depends. It depends on how much, uh, how much you need to do. Like in this gal's case, she needed to do a lot, a lot more prep than somebody else would have who came from the industry, but that prep might show her up as a better candidate. So the more you do, the better you're going to show. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I don't think there's any substitute for it. And again, I'll go back to the seeing how the product is used in the field or how customers are actually using the product. It's money. It is so money. Everybody wants to hear that. <laughs> well, I, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your job to make an organization profitable. And if they're not making additional profits from you joining them, then what's the point of them hiring, hiring you in the first place, right? So, um, you know, 100%. And, you know, as we start to wrap up and get to the end of our podcast, uh, I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about your program, your, your passion project, which is Activate. And I'd love to have you just kind of talk about that a little bit to our audience. Cause I know from what I heard with, you know, in our first conversation that we had, you just talking about it and, 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 you know, what you're trying to bring to the market with this is amazing. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about that with our audience here. Sure. Thank you, John. So it's really two, two service lines. Activate 180 is a corporate coaching program. So I've been working with corporations, big and small for a long time, you know, over two decades since I've been in executive search and I work at the C level and I get to know CEOs and the biggest concern today for sure is retention, right? They're concerned mm-hmm. about keeping their people, but it's also, how do I develop my people? How do I make sure that they know they're being developed, right? I'll lose somebody who's been with me four or five years and I see them as a high potential and I'll say, why are you leaving? Well, I don't know about what the career opportunity is here. And these guys offered me this like, no, no, we're building a big company here. We're going to triple the size in the next five, six years. We need people like you. Well, so Activate 180 is a coaching program. We've had executive coaches around for years, right? A lot of companies use executive coaches at the executive level. Activate 180 brings coaching to the everyman level. It's, a, it's an affordable coaching strategy, and it's one-on-one coaching. It's over Zoom, just like we're doing here. Mm-hmm. If I were your coach, I'd be doing this once or twice a month with you face-to-face, and I'd be working with you on five things, career and leadership development, relationships, health and wellness, financial, and life experiences. And the reason why we bring these five pillars together is you are one person that by and large, in companies, those five things. You could add spiritual if you want, but we're not touching on that. Um, so those five things are who make you up. And if we can bring the best you to the company, the best you to handle conflict, the best you to solve problems, the best you to perform at a high level because you're in shape. You've been working out. That was one of your goals to lose 40 pounds and you did it. Now you feel good about you because you achieved something that was so hard to do. So our coaches bring a vision and a path and they bring accountability. So that's at the Activate 180 side. And we're bringing that to companies and rolling it out now to companies. We've been working on it now for a couple of years. And uh, I use my company, McDermott & Bull, as a beta site. We have over 50 people that have coaches at McDermott & Bull now. And they meet with their coaches every month. And it's been really phenomenal. 
And so now we're seeing other companies take up on that. The other side of the business is Project Activate, which is our dream job program. That's for people that are in transition that want to be doing something different. We're not just there to help people find jobs. We're help people to align their calling and their passion with their job, right? How many of us have been kind of a square peg in a round hole? And maybe we've been that for years. Like I have a buddy of mine, we started in banking together over 30 years ago. And he told me, he told me a couple months ago, he goes, I've never liked banking. <laughs> now like, what are you doing? He's like, what can I do now? I'm in my mid fifties. How can I change? I'm like, okay, we got to make this happen. Let's go. Yeah. You know, so that's what happens. Life takes over. You start a job. And before you know it, your parents tell you, just get a job, just get a job, any job. And then you'll find what you love later. And then, you know, you get a mortgage, you get married, you got kids, you want, you live for vacation and retirement, you know, and, hmm. and this dream of doing what you really love to do. Maybe you can do it when you retire. Well, why wait? You know, the number one thing on people's minds when they pass, before they pass, regret. Yeah. Regret things they didn't do. We want to fix that. So Project Activate is about aligning your passion and your calling with your job. Activate 180 is about unleashing the potential of the employee base at companies. These could be employees that are making 30, 40, 50,000 a year, but that's your rocket fuel, right? We always take care of the people sitting up in the capsule. That's the executives, <laughs> right? But what about all the fuel? That's yeah. what's really going to propel the company. And if we can take care of these people, man, that company's going to soar. And so that's what we're seeing with Project Activate. Yeah. No, and, and I'm glad you guys are doing that because I know one of the things that's really come out of, um, you know, of this pandemic and, and this whole time that, uh, you know, we've been going through this is just people trying to find more job satisfaction in terms of what they're doing. And when you can look after your people, and like you said, companies that don't look after their people are going to lose their top talent to other organizations. So, you know, I'm glad, you know, with the work that you're doing in that space, it, it's, it's a great initiative. I think it's fantastic. And I just wanted to make sure that the audience members heard about it. It also tells me that, you know, if you really want to grow, you got to get that coach to help you kind of break through that next level in terms of your career, in terms of where you want to go. And I love your five pillars. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Rod, if people yeah. wanted to connect with you and learn a little bit more about you, where can they go for that? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of things. So uh, McDermott at activate180.com uh, or you can reach me at McDermott at mbexec.com. I answer both emails, uh, but but shoot me a note and uh, I'm not as great on LinkedIn. I'll be candid with you because <laughs> so many things on LinkedIn. And so I just don't, I get buried, I get inundated. So, uh, but, but shoot me a note and I'm happy to chat with people and happy to kind of correspond with them and see if I can help them. Yeah. Excellent. And I'll make sure I include those addresses in the show notes as well. Uh, so just so people can get to it easily. I know I have some websites as well. So I'm going to share those as well. The uh, mbexact.com and activate180.com. So I'll share those with, uh, with the audience members. So Rod, I just want to say a big thank you for participating in this podcast today and just for sharing your insights and sharing some of the passion and, and some of the work that you're doing to help those candidates out there. I think it's fantastic. And I know, you know, I have two, three pages of notes already. I can only imagine what the listeners are going to take away from this. So, so thank you for your time today. John, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. All right. With that, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Wishing everybody a great one. Talk to you all soon. Take care.